Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Goodwill Remedy are a four-piece band from Brisbane with members Will LeBane, Mitch Reed, Dave Newman and Rob Penman. They have released six albums and played over 1,000 shows. The latest album is Sunshine State. Lead singer and bass guitarist Will is here to talk about it and a few other things. Hi, Will. Hi, how are you going? I'm very well, thank you. And I've been listening to the album. In fact, I've been listening to a few of your albums. So I think I have a good sense of the band and its Mission, for lack of a better term, but we'll get to that. Um, the time I'm going to start with the new album, Sunshine State, because the title is literal, you are in Queensland, but I'm also wondering if it's figurative. It is a little bit. Um, it's about state of mind, to be honest. Um, we, uh, you know, you get a certain feeling sometimes that things are going, you know, you feel good about yourself. It could, no, it, I don't know what triggers it, but you get that happy feeling inside and you're in like what, what I call a sunshine state. So, um, yeah, that's that's where the song initially was driven from and then Sunshine State obviously links up with Queensland and and I've told everyone the story we I tried to pitch it to Queensland Tourism I said you should use it for your beach ads and and stuff and they they quickly told me that um Sunshine they want to move away from the Sunshine State theme and uh and it's yeah so they haven't I was haven't told Main Roads because it's on all of our number plates so I don't know something's going on weird there with that but, but it also, doesn't why, why would they want to move away from it it's everyone's very happy to associate Queensland with sunshine uh, just an excuse for not using my song I reckon that's all it is I'm putting it down to and, then, and instead of just saying look we don't think the song's suitable they gave me that BS so Whatever. It's good. It's, it makes a good story, right? So yeah, that's true. That's true. But it's interesting. You were saying that um, you had that phrase "sunshine state" for a state of mind. So is that something yeah. that you've actually been using for a while? I I um I tend to write so I'm still learning to write songs, and I'm still trying to get better at writing songs, and I'm I'm really driven to get better without taking it all too seriously. And I'm slowly getting around the fact that songs that I write about feelings and the way I feel interacting with feelings the world seem to be the ones that um, are more resonant with us as a band and, and people when they listen to them and I enjoy performing after them uh, performing them after we've written them and recorded them so Sunshine State was just a really good tag to stick on the end of a feeling that that I get and uh, you know it's a, it's that Friday morning feeling when you're going you know it's Friday listening to your favorite song in the car um, cranking it it's normally a Goodwill Remedy song I'll throw that out there uh, mm-hmm. and and everyone, and, you know, you get that kind of buzzy feeling. So it's Friday and you have to put up with this crap for one more day. You get that kind of feeling and you start letting people in and waving to them in the traffic. And yeah, so that's that feeling. I think everyone, hopefully everyone can understand that. I think it's great to put a name to it though, because then it's something that you can aim to cultivate. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it is. Um, I, I'm, I, uh, the, the, so I haven't really gone to anyone and say, look, I'm, I'm in a sunshine state yet, but I might have to do that. Um, Cause uh, you know, you're in that kind of a moment where you're really, up all the time where you've got that little bit of a buzz and you get exciting excited for about 10 or 15 minutes and people don't know dogs dogs do it i guess dogs get zoomies so um maybe it might be our zoomie i don't know yeah now you said you're still learning as a songwriter which is an interesting statement considering that these six albums have all happened since 2018 um clearly you i know slouch when it comes to writing songs um so when did you actually start as a songwriter um, I, I would say I've only just started, um, writing properly and thinking about what I write. I started writing songs when I was probably 16 or 17, but they weren't really songs. They were just noises. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I was playing in a really heavy band. Like a lot of people, when they start 
learning. I was playing in a really um, heavy band, which is really technically difficult. So, um, you know, I was trying to learn how to write songs, but also make sounds over this complicated stuff. So I think, I don't think I've really started writing until, I, until I've been with Goodwill Remedy properly, to be fair. I'm, although I've written songs for well over 25 years or so, I don't think I've really started to write songs um, mm. that I'd, you know, call songs until more recently, till I've sort of actually dialed into them a little bit more and and thought about a bit about what I'm writing and and how how I interpret what I'm feeling and how the song represents that. So, again, mm. without taking it all too seriously, I think yeah, you you run the risk of doing that. Um, but yeah, I just want to make sure I I enjoy I enjoy improving uh, and and challenging and and people challenging me to improve. So that's the only way you're going to get get better, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a, a phrase beginner mind, um, which could be applied to anything, and it sounds like you have beginner mind when it comes to being a songwriter. In that, you know, you, as you said, you feel like you're just at the start. Uh, people who have beginner mind are usually always interested in learning more. They're perpetually curious, and it tends to make them a lot better at their craft because they're just pushing themselves all the time. Yeah, I've yeah yeah I I agree with that totally. I mean, I've I've done a a couple of co-writes the last um, few years, which is something I never thought I'd uh, I'd. I do or, or or be interested in doing, and that that was really, that was really opened my mind a little bit. Been some songwriting workshops, which you know takes takes everyone out their comfort zone. And but because I'm a music nerd, I, I, there's not a minute of the day where I'm not thinking or listening to music, or or or, or a time on the weekend where I'm not planning to go and see another artist and and get inspired by what they do. And you know, I, I think you know, I just I just love the whole thing about about music and artistry and and writing. So. I'm I, I'm 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 always a stu- I'm, I think I'm always be a student whether it's playing uh, playing bass guitar or or singing or whatever I'm, you know I'm, I think I'll always enjoy that progression and trying to get better at everything I think that's that's the that's the key for me anyway. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned bass. Um, were you a bass player in this heavy band you were in? Yeah, yeah. Uh, bass is my first real instrument. Um, when I was young, so um, I always liked playing bass. So I played bass and sang for ever since I started playing live. Really, um, so that's just an instrument that I, I don't play as intricately technically as I used to because I can't anymore um, because I've just kind of lost the chops or lost the interest in working that up. But um, I really enjoy it. I think, um, yeah, I'm fortunate enough to play with some really good musicians who, are, who who I can sit in pretty well in the background and let them do their thing. And I'll just hold in the, hold in the bottom end, which I'm, I'm happy with. So why did you choose bass as your instrument? Because, you know, most people do go to guitars, particularly young men, guitars seems to be the thing. Yeah, you know, I get it. Look, I think bass. My my parents listen to a lot of music. My parents are British. I listened to a lot of music when I was younger. Uh, a lot of Mersey beat and kind of British music. But then Mum uh, was a big Motown fan, and I used to listen to Motown all the time. And and I wanted to understand what triggered that feeling when I listened to Motown, and it was the bass all along, and I just fell in love with it. And then it was Susie Quattro. Um, yeah. you know, she was my first ever girlfriend, and she never knew, but. Um, she, <laughs> but she and and I thought, well, you know, that that's done it. So I just started enjoying bass playing, bass playing, listening to it from there. And I got a, a, my parents bought me a cheap bass when I was in late later in, in high school, and I just took off from there. I just loved every minute of it from there. Fantastic. Um, and of course, there aren't many lead singers who are also bass players. Sting is the one who springs to mind immediately, but it's it's not that common. It's not. Uh, it's funny because we we play a few gigs and a lot of people talk to me about. Oh, we don't see many um, bass player singers, but there's some real crackers that people forget about because you don't realise it. Like as you mentioned, Sting, um, Paul McCartney is another one. Um, Susie Quattro is another one. I mentioned her. Lemmy from Motorhead is pretty popular. 
and the video kills the radio star guy buggles oh yeah bass play singer so um there's not too many of them they're all a bit quirky so it probably suits me to be honest and i should also mention within australian country music matt cornell is uh, a bass player. Matt. yes yeah. yeah well we can't matt matt is a great player and uh and a, a top fellow he's and he's living up here uh, up this way now so yeah sorry i should have mentioned matt for sure Oh no, no, it was more than that. Look, I should have mentioned him first instead of saying Sting. Um, but there you go. We have acknowledged <laughs> yeah. him now. Yes. <laughs> now back to Sunshine State. The album does sound upbeat, so it does sound like a Sunshine State of Mine. Did you have fun in the studio? We did. Um, we did. We always do. Um, we we try and change a few things each time we go in to see if we can do things a little different. Um, we worked with Jeff Lovejoy again, who who is a local. Um, engineer producer and music stalwart really in Queensland um and we did an EP with him our last EP with Jeff and then we did Sunshine State with him the full length album and um yeah we we generally try and go in there as prepared as we can without trying to ruin the moment so we always have fun we, the, the thing about being in the studio is songs jump seem to jump out of the speakers that you don't expect them to um when you start playing and, and recording them bits and pieces start coming to you guys get in um, the guys get, uh, you know, inspired, creative, and you, you get these pieces in parts of the songs that you think, well, that that's just taking that song from there to there. So um, we had a lot of those moments with Sunshine State because I, I kind of think it's a, the best bag of songs we've kind of done over the course of the in in one in one lump anyway. Yeah, right. You mentioned going into the studio prepared but not wanting to ruin the moment. Does that mean you're conscious of not overworking something before you get there? Yeah, I think um, as a bass player, as a bass player, you know, Robbie, my, my, he's my, my best mate, plays drums, Robbie. Um, you know, we always want to make sure we were across as, from, as far as the rhythm section goes and we've got the tempos and, you know, the, the way the songs feel down. But I think if you overwork things in pre-production a little bit too much, mm -hmm. you lose that um, creative spark in the studio, which kind of gives you that energy in the studio, that kind of that, that weird energy where you get a little bit more lively with the songs. Um, I think if it's all pre-planned and everyone knows exactly what they're going to play before they walk in the door I think that that's that that that's not the way I like to do it I like to do a little bit of kind of um, creativity on the spot within reason you know obviously we can't create everything right from day one but um, yeah I just like the idea of going in and having room to to reach out on a few songs and a few a few parts and a few ideas so I think that that adds to the stigma and, and the magic of the studio I think and then everyone gets involved the whole band gets involved the producer gets involved and um, it's it's always it's always fun to do that whenever we can, I think. I suppose for you as the songwriter, it means having complete trust in the individuals you're in the studio with so you can let those songs go, essentially. And as you said, some things jump out of the speakers at the time and there is that creativity. Yeah, we, we record every rehearsal. Like when we run, when we start like pre-producing, do some pre-production for the record, which we're starting on the new one probably in the year, um, I record every session and I always, you know, throw it in a little studio file and then send it to the guy. So we're pretty well familiar with the songs, song, rough songs as they go in. Um, but I've got full trust in the guys. I mean, I, I'm really lucky that the three guys that I play with are three of the most sought after musos up this way now. Um, you know, Dave, Mitch and Rob are all really busy doing other things. And, you know, since we've started, um, which is great. So, you know, I'm really lucky that I get to bring in, um, uh, hey guys, I've got this song idea, and I can kind of bring it in, and and uh, and they just you know sparkle it up and, and and put the magic into it. So I've got full trust in those guys what they do, and and I mean some songs I have a, a fixed mental idea of how they should sound and what I'd think would work, um, but generally the guys just um, they do their thing, we do their thing together, and and working with Jeff is great too. You just kind of let them do their thing and um, see what rolls out at the end. 
Mm-hmm. Now, across the the band's albums, um, for me, there's definitely a sense that it's, this is a band that likes to entertain, but also create meaningful songs. And I think that goes to what you were saying about documenting your experiences. But is it accurate to say that that's the intention, that there's that balance there? I think so. Look, we, we, we love playing live. We love putting on a show. And we like um, we like interacting with the audience and with each other on stage and and not taking ourselves too seriously. And um, and, and if that comes across in what you've listened to, um, then that's great. That's exactly, you know, that's exactly the vibe that we want to create and what we try and do wherever we do it. And um, I think it's important that, especially, that you know, we're somewhat mature, um, you get to a point where you do start taking, it's a trap to start taking yourself too seriously in your songs and and you just, you know, you close down as far as, being having fun with it and that that's ideally what we started for and that's what we continue to do it with for now you have as i said you have released several albums on the trot uh, almost one a year i think there was only one year you missed 2021 but from what i understand this album you started writing during covid lockdown which in queensland was not as long as it was for other states <laughs> no no i um I, I i always say i had a friend in melbourne that used to tell me oh the worst thing about a seven-day lockdown is the first three weeks um, so he was, uh, <laughs> he I was, just laugh. I shouldn't laugh, but you know, uh, that, I think the yeah, but they, um, they really copped it. Uh, yeah. We were fortunate up here. I mean, we, I don't think anyone really knew what we were stepping into at the time. So there was a lot of, you know, a lot of that kind of, what do we do? How do we go about it? What do we, what do we do to the borders? But, um, I think it changed a, a, a few people's minds, particularly as an artist uh, and, and audiences of, of music, live music followers. I think their minds kind of changed about what they had before that. Um, and it, you know, as an artist and a musician, you know, things around you and, and, and what happens in the environment can't help but impact what, you, what's, what you're thinking about, what you're writing, um, you know, what you're playing, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, given that you have released and recorded so many albums um, in quick succession, I'm wondering if you just continue writing songs and then you're like, oh, okay, I've got enough songs for an album now. Or do you actually set yourself that goal of, because you said, you know, you're already thinking about next year's album, um, recording next year's. Like, do you set yourself the goal of, all right, I want to record an album, I'm going to write towards that? Uh, I, I, we try, I, I try and get into the studio every year, um, whether it's with the band and I hope, uh, you know, next year will be the band and that's the best fun when we're all together. But if for some reason we can't do it for, you know, schedules or whatever, then, um, I'll, you know, I'll go, I'll go in myself to just do a little bit of stuff. But um, I just constantly write songs. I... I um, a, a really uh, someone in the industry that I really um, admire and respect um, once told me uh, that just you know when we were first working uh, on the I think it was the second record he said to me well I said to him oh, I think I've got all the songs I think I'm ready he goes oh, I'll just keep writing and I went what do you mean I said I've got the songs I'm ready to go and 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 that sort of resonated with me so I'll just keep writing now thanks okay. to Graham Asho um, and and um, and I'll just keep writing right up until it until you get to record something so you know for 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 the sunshine state we might have had um we might have had up as about a short list of 20 songs kind of thing that we whittled down and and um and this uh, and the next record will be probably something similar right and are you, are you someone who will reuse or not reuse but use the songs that you discarded say for sunshine state you think okay well that can go on the next album or you're like no no they were not right at that time and therefore i'm just going to park them maybe permanently uh, no, no, I think I think we you, you can you can revisit songs and pull them back out. Um, I think there was um, there was a, there's a couple of songs. Uh, there was one on a, a last EP um, called uh, or, I'll come back to you uh, that I that I pulled that we pulled out and um, 
and it was it was just sitting on my hard drive on my computer and I listened to it and thought yeah that's um that's uh that's pretty that's pretty pretty good why did I throw that away and just needed it in this life and 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 kind of they took it to the to the boys and and they kind of breathed a little bit more life into it so that was that was one particular example which means absolutely nothing to you or or the or the or the viewers because I can't remember the name of the song but I will um surely uh and uh so that was that was one of them and uh, but um yeah they, they, you know Sunshine State was an example where it was a song that I'd kind of written it's only got two part two or three parts to it it was wasn't really much of much of anything and we, I, the, the two guitar boys come over here regularly we have a little bit of a play and a sing and tell a few lies and um and I just sort of played it at the end to say oh god that kind of got this thing what do you think and and it just woof it just kind of grew a bit of a bit of life I'll put it re-record it pretty quickly and um and and that and that was so some some songs that I don't really think are anything or worth persevering with uh, are sometimes the ones that the guys breathe life into and, and I, therefore I get a lot more life into them as well so it's it's really strange I don't know I don't know it's a dark art I don't know how it works <laughs> I think yeah I think in general that's that's true um about it being a dark art but I'm wondering also if maybe you are a hard marker for your own work because you know you're saying the guys can sometimes listen to those songs and say well actually there is something in that yeah I think so I think I mean I think that's the that's that's probably the trick of um of improving I think is is you know giving yourself a little bit of a, a hard mark if you, if that's the term to sort of say well yeah that, yeah that's good but how could it be better or um or at least you know when you when you do strike that little bit of gold which which happens from time to time um you think oh you know that's pretty good you know that you're accepting that and letting that one go through because you, you you've got it you've got it to the best that you think you can so um I think the part the the, the the secret behind improving for me, I think, is to um, you know, challenge yourself as much as you can, whether it be instruments or, or general, you know, work or or anything. Is you know, you challenge yourself to do better. Mm-hmm. So, when did Goodwill Remedy form? Was it not long before you recorded your first album, or had you been together for a while? Um, that song was "Stand Tall," by the way. There you go. <laughs> <I'm in my laughs> mind. Sorry, sorry. Um, I was gone, but I'm back now. "Stand Tall," yeah. So, um, anyway, um. We we initially I was playing with Mitch, um, the guitar player, as a duo, um, and we just I just wanted to do an acoustic thing. We had mandolins and acoustic guitars, and we wanted to do a an acoustic record, and you know we were, we were down that kind of vibe. And 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 then Rob, my 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 best mate in the drum in the band, came and had a jam, and it just automatically got rockier, which was fine. We went with that, and then um, we did the we did our first record, um, self titled record, with just with Mitch on guitar. He played all the guitar parts. And um, I'd known Dave previously from a previous life from QUT where I'd studied music. And um, when I went back later to help with some mentoring sort of stuff, he was he was a student. So um, I reached out to Dave. He, he had some some space to come and have a play. And then we just all got together and that was it. So, um, yeah, it was one of those times where you kind of knew various people you've always wanted to play with. They had time. We played a few, had a, a get together and it just seemed to sit and work really well and, and more importantly we all get on really well um so yeah we um we don't uh yeah there's no no real dramas amongst any of us which is which is really great that's the most important thing i think i think you can hear that on the songs as well there's a there's a certain looseness there which is not to suggest sloppiness actually it's a different concept it's that idea that things kind of flow quite easily that there's there's a bit of movement between you all yeah yeah we um we're I'm really lucky. I'm, I'm really lucky. I keep saying it, and I've got to, and and I and I, I, I want to keep acknowledging the guys because it is 
it's something really special to have musicians around you that can do what those guys can do and challenge themselves as much as they do as well. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I don't mind being loose because uh, I think Rolling, most of Rolling Stones records were loose in a good way. So I think you can get to a point where you get so tight, it, you know, you get loose again. So I'm, I'm good with that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it, it is it is good. And, and the guys enjoy creating as we move towards the studio. They enjoy thinking about that creative kind of area because it's totally different from, you know, we've essentially when we play live, we're a bar band, we get the room running and rocking and we do a show. To, to change your mindset to go into the studio is a little bit of a different approach. Um, and yeah, I think that the, I'm really lucky the guys get right into that and plug right into it, which is good for us and the songs and, and the records. Yeah. So in that heavy band you mentioned that you were in when you were younger, were you a singer as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was a screamer. I, I what not a screamer in the sense of the word. Like I, I'm not a cookie monster. I can't do the stuff the guys are doing now. They're amazing singers, um, absolutely amazing. And I know it's not for everyone that music. I I, I do like um, Parkway Drive and Slipknot and, and those sorts of things. But those singers are a different level. What they can do with their voice, I couldn't do that. But I was I was more of a high pitched screamer type type mm. singer. So yeah, I sung as well as as played bass. And uh, yeah, it was uh, I could I could I could even think about doing that now. Even now, I get shivers trying to think about how I'd, how I do it. But we, we, it was fun. You know, we, we we in the band I was in, I was in a band called um, Pharaoh's Playground, and we played um, up the east coast a little bit. Got on triples, a triple J, and got on some compilations, and it was loads of fun. But it was just you know, eventually you kind of grow out of that a little bit and want to do. I wanted to do different things, more song based. So mm-hmm. here I am. Uh, you mentioned going to QUT and studying music. Um, Technically, as a singer, could you learn how to scream without ruining your voice? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. There's um, there is um, and and from the from the the heavy singing, and there's a term for it which I I don't know. I you know I only just remembered the song before, so don't ask me to remember terms. But um, there there is some um specialist singers in Brisbane that actually um train um those heavy extreme vocalists um how to how to do what they do. So. From that end, I've, I, you know, I didn't, I don't know too much about those techniques. Um, although I enjoy it, it's not something I want to, I want to, I want to do. But when I was, um, I had studied voice. I went to a singing teacher, a classical teacher, for a while, and then found some other teachers who were really good. And I actually got scoped. Um, I actually had a, had a, thought I had a problem with my vocal cords once, and when I was at university, because I was a vocal major, and and um, they scoped me, which means um, they put the tube down the back of your throat, past that little punching bag at the back of your throat, past past that while you're awake. And then you've got a screen in front of you and you kind of they put a camera down there and they ask you to try and make all these noises so they can check your your um vocal folds out. And the, I learned so much from that because I could actually see see my vocal cords are like kind of curtains moving like this and then my the false folds. And it was it was oh, there was nothing wrong with it, by the way. It had reflux. I was drinking too much coffee because I was a student. Oh. That's what it was. Um, but but it was really it was mind blowing. So when that happened and I had a teacher who was teaching me about the voice me- as a mechanism rather than the sound. Um, I learned so much from that and from that perspective about um, parts of my voice. And sometimes I'll, I'll dial back into, oh, there's a couple of teachers in Brisbane I really respect. Um, occasionally I'll drop in to to those guys and just have a session with them and say, look, is anything sneaked in that you don't like the sound of or um, or anything you can tweak up? So, again, mm-hmm. it's that, you know, learning, not sitting, not, not sitting back on something just because you think it's okay type thing. Yeah. So it's really interesting that you went in as a vocal major to that degree, considering you play instruments and you're a songwriter. Why did you choose voice as the focus? 
Um, well, I, I did. Uh, it was like a shopping trolley. I did three different things across the three years. Um, I initially went in as a compos- composition major, um, which was weird because compositions are like orchestrals and um, you know, I, I really, which is good. And uh, so I did a little bit of that um, and then was um, doing a lot more singing and enjoying singing. I, I kind of got a really good, built up a really good relationship with a, with a vocal teacher and um, Andrea uh, Morris Campbell, who was there at the time, still there. She is, she is. And, and enjoyed doing that for a little bit. And then Brian Martin, another vocal teacher, came on board um, when Andrea um, was on maternity leave for a bit and Brian male teacher you know I'd only had female teachers up to that point which was really great because you know they were operatic singers and they they could oh, some of the sounds they made were mind-blowing beautiful crisp clean um, and then I had Brian as a male teacher which taught me a little bit about about the vocal as a, as a unit um, so I did that and then they they they, they introduced the first singer-songwriter um, course if you like so I jumped onto that. I said, "Oh, I can do that for a bit." So I jumped on that. So I did three different things, um, and uh, and and yeah. So I was really lucky. I kept the vocal lessons going um, in the third year, uh, with, which was great. And then I just did you know, sing a songwriter, which essentially grabbed the composition side and the vocal side a little bit together, and and went with there. So um, it's a different institution now. It's 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 no, it, it was great at the time when I was there. I think it's it, you know it's still great now. They've got new facilities, some really strong teachers and lecturers there. So. Um, yeah, it's, it was a great place at the time. I promise, it's probably still good. Um, it's yeah, listening to your vocals, it's like I totally hear that background in that you have really clean, articulate vocals, and they're incredibly consistent across the albums. So that's that explains it. So it's always interesting for me to find out that kind of background when I'm listening to something, and thinking, "What's going on there?" There's the answer. You study. Oh, thank you. That uh, I really appreciate that. I think it's um. It, it's a fine line behind behind be, be, between being really clean and and nice and and spot on to having that rock kind of little bit of a so um yeah no I appreciate that thank you it's something I, I I'm conscious of and I try and do my best to to do so that's really good feedback I appreciate it you're very welcome I only say it if I hear it um now given that you have you have the shopping trolley as a student and you can do a range of things what do you think is the fav- your favourite thing to do with a musical artist? Is it singing? Is it pe- like performing in general? Is it recording? Is it songwriting? Um, I could say yes. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I have my moments with everything. I, 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 um, I think on stage with the guys when we're when we're really in the zone and we generally find the zone at some point. I don't think there's much better feeling than playing to a packed out house, um, doing what we do. Um, and knowing that, you know, we're just enjoying every minute of it and we're in the zone. I don't think there's anything better because you're sharing it with the guys that you love and you're working with and as well as the crowd are all into it and everyone's got that complete energy and trust. And I don't think you can you can ever undersell that. So mm-hmm. I would say that that would be that would just win it by a nose, I reckon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it may depend on what you're doing at the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, on the other hand, you know, we can just as easily turn up to a venue that is empty and doesn't have as much of a vibe, but we still still enjoy it. But yeah, I think that moment, and you know, we we've we just finished uh, we finished our, our last show at Lefties a couple of weeks ago, and you know, the last set we played at Lefties was one of those moments where it was just insanely insanely fun. Yeah, that I haven't been to Lefties, but I've been past Lefties, and it looks like it's a great venue and well located. It is, yeah. A lot of people in Brisbane don't still haven't been there because they don't know it's there, which is good in a way, but you know, also disappointing in another. But um, yeah, it's it's really worth it. And I think if you get the right night, you get the right music that appeals to you, then 
I don't think you can have a better night. It is like a crab pot. Um, you, you can't never get out once you go in. It's one of those rooms where you wonder where the night's gone. Um, but yeah. it's it's special, a special place for us. So it feels like our home ground when we play there. We, we actually we really love it. Right. So next year, um, you obviously have an album in the works. How far ahead do you book your gigs? Um, we've got bookings for April next year. We haven't got anything further than that. Um, well, we're hoping obviously to to get a couple other festivals. If we do, then that's really great. But we haven't heard anything. Uh, around that and we you know, there's no expectation around that we understand there's you know it's not an easy thing to book a festival and get the right acts on mm-hmm. so april we've got a few we haven't got anything past april at this stage um but we're um you know we we've got a pretty in that calendar can be really intense sometimes and be like tetris because of the guys i don't, yeah. I don't do anything else um apart from good or remedy and just you know wander around aimlessly but the guys because they're so busy in other things we just really got to make sure everything lines up nicely so the the most bigger the largest portion of notice we can get is always great um but um yeah we've only, we've got a couple of cool things for next year but um nothing nothing uh we haven't got a full calendar yet i'm sure but i'm sure that'll happen yeah well it sounds like given that you played a thousand gigs um yeah. over the past few years it sounds like you'll be busy and i must also point out that those that number of gigs obviously there was there's was a huge chunk of time where there were no gigs yeah yeah, that was that was weird, and and I I was talking to someone just recently about that, and and how it was weird at the time, how much you actually missed it, um, more than you thought you would, uh, and then we 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 kind of le- lefties were really great to us. They kind of booked us straight after the COVID, some of the COVID restrictions lifted, like virtually that first weekend, bang, we're in. It's like first week, um, and. It was weird because you know you had to sign in. They had they had health inspectors at the door making sure everyone did the right thing. We had masks masks on when you're walking around. You couldn't sing to the songs. You couldn't dance to the songs. You had to sit down with the masks on. But when we went on stage, we'd take the masks off. We could sing and dance. It was like really weird, but yeah. but good because everyone just sort of said. In my mind, I thought everyone just sort of said, you know what? If this is what we need to do to go out and have a bit of a bit of a life again, we're doing it. So um, yeah. yeah, so it was weird. But uh, you know, I, the the downtime in COVID, I felt in reflection now is really you know probably really creatively great for for, for me mm-hmm. i did a couple of podcast kind of things with a few friends that i've never really done those sorts of things before um i did a couple of co-writes and and just i discovered loads of other artists so i kind of didn't really know as well their music and and and, and their style before so you know i think you know it was really good from that perspective just sitting listening learning and yeah and just you know embracing all that stuff yeah. Um, is co-writing something that you intend to continue? It sounds like you do write at a pace where you might, you know, outstrip a co-writer in that you've got your own stuff going on. Um, I'd love to do it. I'd like to do it with 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 particular people. Um, and 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 that's tricky because they might not want to do it with me. Right. <laughs> um, but I yeah, I um I, I, there's an element of co-writing with the band anyway, as much as the song comes finished. The guys still is around arrangements and around sounds and parts, you know that that kind of spark gets gets lit from those guys. Um, but I'm certainly down with co-writing. There's a couple of people I've approached already about doing, and it's just finding the right time where it doesn't feel forced, where you can just sit in there and and kind of get it get it done really and work through it and, and enjoy the process. So no, most definitely, I don't think I don't. I've learned, you know, my younger self wouldn't have wanted it. My younger self wouldn't have needed it because we were so good back then. But right now, um, I think, um, you know, I'm open to all that kind of new inspiration. I, I don't, you know, I'm not shut down to any of it. Yeah. Again, back to the beginner mind, which is where we started. So it's probably an appropriate point at which to end. Will LeBain, it's been so interesting to talk to you. 
the new uh, Goodwill Remedy album is Sunshine State and people can check your website, I'm sure, for shows that are coming up early next year. They should, Ken, I'm so glad we um, we matched colours. <laughs> it is important. On a subliminal level, I just knew. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. <laughs> thank you, Will. All right, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.